most enjoyable session that you've ever had? Oh, many, many. I mean, a lot of Aretha Franklin's because it, it, it is, while you're working, you're being rewarded by an incredible voice and performance. Um, even though I didn't have too much uh, writing, writing, arranging. Uh, the Bee Gees uh, main course album we recorded in Miami with Jive talking and, you know, uh, with um, there we, we tried so many new things uh, at the state-of-the-art ARP 2600 synthesizer, uh, using it for bass lines, using it for, you know, that was really uh, very enjoyable. Uh, a lot of average white band uh, sessions extremely enjoyable because they're you know wonderful musicians and after the session you go to a neighborhood uh, not I wouldn't call it a pub the bar have, have some you know scotch <laughs> um, you know Barbara Streisand I worked with her um, she wanted to do a medley of uh, Deep River and The Water is Wide two very spiritual songs and um, to save time at the session, she asked me if I would do a demo of the arrangement. So I worked with a synth player. I, first of all, I wrote the arrangement the old-fashioned way, then went to, a, uh, I think it was my son Joe, uh, to his home studio, and put together a, a, a mock-up of the arrangement. When I flew to L.A. to, to, to meet her and, and, and talk to actually I had met her before, uh, to talk about the session, I played it. Oh, she loved it. Please change this one here. She's the artist, of course. You know, if she says she wants to change, we change it. Saved so much time and money. Even in the studio, of course, there were some more changes. But the other way around would have been truly a disaster because it was written for a 50-piece orchestra. So that's one way of working. Prepare the, the mock-up with good samples and uh, present it to the artist. Uh, so that's one. The other one, the other uh, technique that I have to tell you uh, is not to do anything. Uh, I do believe that we have a, I have a, a hit record here with, with a wonderful artist called Nora Jones a pianist and, and very soulful singer. Uh, for that, I had to do this. Do not write anything. Do not insist on cluttering it up because the project became so transparent that just adding one violin, one accordion, or one uh, 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 pump organ, uh, a few vocal harmonies that she did with herself, that was enough. Uh, there was one song I said, I'd like to really add strings because this is the last song on the album. She says, no, no. This is... Then I realized that simplicity is also a very important uh, you know, aspect. So sometimes you have to restrain yourself. Let me ask you a little bit yeah, about the average white band, partially because I love that stuff, and also uh, because they were a self-contained band as opposed to working with an artist who you would then decide on the sound picture. You suddenly had a self-contained band here. How did working with them differ from other ways of... Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, they would have the... Pick up the pieces. You know, 
I, I, I didn't dictate that. Uh, it, it, most of the uh, licks were there. But Arnie McIntyre, who I, I, I talked to, sometimes we go out together with, with, with Alan Gorey too, Arnie remembers something that, that I had forgotten. He said, you told us to repeat the hook at the end, and that made a big difference. Did I? I said, yeah. We went back to pick up the pieces. So apparently they didn't have that, and, and I, structurally I said, we have to go back to that. So I'm repeating him. <laughs> and so, so in other words, most of the horn thing they already had. Well, sometimes, uh, sometimes I would suggest a few things. Uh, but yes, though they're, they're little uh, fabulous, funky guitar bass uh, lines would be in place. Sometimes, though, if it's a new song, it would be created in the studio. I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, working with somebody like Donny Hathaway. Now, here was a guy, obviously, uh, you know, the word genius is thrown around, but he obviously had some of it. Uh, in what ways did you interact with him? Well, he, he, first of all, he was a dear friend, and he was a genius, and I was honored that he trusted me because, you know, he would, he would arrange his songs and give me, at least in an album, three songs or four songs that I, that I, that I will arrange, and he would trust totally. Uh, we really had a great relationship. Uh, I mean, for example, a song for you, I'm so proud of that arrangement, you know, that's so... He gave me the chance to do something with, the, with that. And how did you approach that and present it to him? How did that work? I, I, would, I, would, uh, I would write the arrangement and go to the studio, and uh, if there's anything he didn't like, he would, he would tell me. Otherwise, it would just continue. So, so I did not have a mock-up, because in those days, uh, we didn't use any, any computers or samples. Did you sit down at the piano and maybe play it for him before you went in the studio? No, no, no. no. Right, right. I wanted to ask about the Bee Gees a little bit more. Uh, you were really responsible, it seems, for moving them towards a kind of an R&B rhythm section thing. Uh, how did that come about, and, and uh, how did you work with, with uh, the, the brothers right. in doing that? Well, uh, we had done an album uh, before that called Mr. Natural. And uh, I think that they were really searching for new ways. And I told them, I said, look, you have Stevie Wonder, Commodores, you know, all the, all the, all the R&B groups, and uh, some of them, you know, like brothers, you know, not brothers, but like three men singing together, you know, Temptations. Why don't we listen to their records, and why don't you see what, what, what it gives you. And uh, so they got into that world and out came Jive Talking, you know. Uh, and Barry says that I don't really remember that apparently w one day I said, can you take it up an octave uh, while he was singing? So Bar Barry Gibb tells me, so, so I'm going to be a fool singing in full voice up, up an octave. So let me try a falsetto and apparently that was the, you know, I didn't say, can you, can you sing it in falsetto? I didn't say, it was an accident. Take, up, take it up an octave. So he went into his falsetto voice and... <laughs> and the trademark sound yeah. was born. Right. Yeah, that's great. Um, so did you work with Barry at all? Sure. 
We, we worked together on Bette Midler's second album as co-producers. Uh, and we're, we're great friends. And, uh, and I'm so happy for his, you know, resurgence that his, he had a, a big hit album. Um, we did share the uh, arranging uh, chores on that album too. You know, he did some, I did some. Um, he's a consummate musician and, and, a, and an excellent piano player. So uh, he came up with, uh, you know, so many great ideas for Bet. And Bet felt very secure when when he was on board. So does he work the same way as an arranger that you do? In other words, does he write scores or does he? Uh, he writes scores. Yeah. yeah, but in those days, you had to write scores. There's no other uh, modern way of doing it. And I don't know how he works now. Whether he does it on computer, you can ask him. Let's ask about some unusual types of artists that you've worked with. For instance, uh, David Bowie. How, how how did how was that working relationship, and how how were your ideas? Uh, how did you guys share? Them? Right. Uh, at that time, I had a, a record out. Uh, and the artist was uh, Scritti Politi, uh, Green Garside, and it was really a state-of-the-art record. Uh, we're talking about mid-80s, I think. And so he heard that, and I, I got the call. And he, he wanted me to arrange, I think, three songs. So I did the arrangements, but I also brought in samples. I'm not going to tell you who, so that nobody will... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it at that time that if you use other people's voices, <laughs> I just brought in, you know, some background parts and everything. I said we can use this, and uh, and he had a, a Fairlight synthesizer then, uh, and we put those samples in the Fairlight and we used as background voices and things like that. So this was a modern uh, approach to arranging. Plus, I had written. Uh, he wanted strings, uh, so we recorded in in, in Montreal uh, with the Montreal Symphony people, uh, and so that's that's what it was. It was it was really great. Also, some unusual kinds of artists that you've worked with, like Culture Club. Uh, how 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 was that? And can you you know point to one song and say how it developed? Culture Club, uh, very funny, uh, because I have a Turkish name. It also sounded like a uh, African American uh, name, you know. Uh, so, he's, he's, so he, he when 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 George saw me, he said, "I thought you were fat and black." <laughs> Person who worked with Shaka Khan would name Arif Martin. <laughs> anyway, we were great friends, and we made an album together. Uh, Again, uh, it was certain technology that, that, that I was using at that time. Uh, it was the beginning of uh, uh, the uh, Publisson revolution. So we had the drum effects and vocal effects on the Publisson. It's an interesting point. Would you agree that, I mean, I've always said that the technology is part of the arrangement. Yes, and, yes. And using these effects. <coughs> Yes, I mean, David Bowie's Let's Dance had that uh, public sound, drum room room sound. Um, and of course, yeah, Phil Collins' uh, then uh, certain sound. It's interesting, Phil Collins had like one or two drum beats outside the record. Uh, 
uh, I don't know, I forgot which, which one. And, they, and they, uh, he was the most sampled drummer at that time. People going there and picking those notes. And uh, yes, an arranger has to keep up with the technology, definitely. Uh, it's that, that's why, I mean, in the 70s, whatever was state of the art, I, I had to use it. Uh, 80s, it was the, you know, Fairlight and the, and the, and the Publisons and everything. And, and now it's Pro Tools. How the marketing of a record affects the way that you would arrange it, affects the kinds of sounds you choose, and affects the, in other words, the, the, the genre or the, the uh, which chart this record is aimed at, how that affects it. Def definitely. I mean, uh, for example, I'm going to work with a f fabulous singer from Nashville, Mandy Barnett. We're starting our pre-production. Uh, but we don't want to do a Nashville record. We don't want to do a country record. So the first thing you do is you don't use a steel guitar. <laughs> I mean, that's very important. Uh, so orchestration, choice of instruments, very important for certain uh, segments, uh, certain styles. Uh, if you're doing an R&B song, you use certain certain instruments, certain sounds. Uh, of course, I am now, you know, I'm not doing too much because uh, I'm only doing, working with artists that I love, voice. I'm not into hip-hop. Let the young people do that. I'm, I'm, I'm older. Were you present at the Say a Little Prayer session with Aretha? Definitely. Okay, well, this, I mean, obviously the story of how that came together is fascinating, and I can think of no one better to tell it than you, so. Well, Aretha, first of all, ha has uh, no problem uh, covering a song which was already a hit. Uh, okay, Dion did it, I can do it too. And her version is as beautiful as Dion's. And... Uh, the girls, was the background singers, that was fascinating to me because they must have worked uh, at Aretha's house for hours or maybe days. I mean, it's a very complicated part. So when, she, when we were doing it in, in New York at Atlantic Studio, uh, some of the musicians from the South uh, you know, came, to, came to New York, like Tom Cogbill and all that. The girls were already pressed the button, go forever, da 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 you know, and it's a complicated part because there's a seven eight bar in there, you know, the beat the beat gets turned around, you know, and they were perfect. And, and uh, Aretha was just playing it at the piano with the girls. The sure. Piano, is that right? And yep. then the musicians joined in. How did that work? Aretha, see, it, Aretha would play the the, the piano. And musicians would look at their left hand, bass player would look what she's doing, uh, guitar player would look at her, you know, how she's voicing a chord, and it's, it would, the whole arrangement would stem from her piano. Is it true that you hadn't gone into the studio specifically to record that tune, but they were playing through it because they'd been playing it, and then everybody joined in? Is that right? Or I really don't remember it. I'm sure if Jerry Wexer said that, I'm sure it was that was true. Yeah. Yeah. But but I I remember those. They, they were fantastic backgrounds. Do you have any favorite pop arrangers, arrangers in pop, who you think of 
but I mean, you know, other people that you've admired. Oh, there's so many, but, uh, well, you see, today is different. Uh, today it's, it's, you know, what, what comes out of the computer and the programmer. So if you're looking for craft, uh, we have to go to the older days, you know. Uh, Quincy Jones, I mean, you know, great, great arranger. Uh, Jimmy Haskell. We're, we're talking to him in L.A. I'd love yeah. to say something yeah. about him. Yeah, yeah. We, he emailed uh, a message to me. It's very funny. Uh, he's, apparently he's writing a, a, an article uh, in Arrangers uh, magazine or something. And uh, when we met, he said, Oh, I've, I've stolen so many, so many of your licks in this arrangement, that arrangement. And I said, Well, I've stolen... Your licks in this arrangement, that there was, yeah. Great. Okay, let me ask you this question. It seems to me that in the old days, there were these independent companies run by really enthusiastic, music-loving entrepreneurs. Right. Like Atlantic, like Stacks, like, you know, independent. Motown. Motown, of course. Today, it's multinational companies, and the, the, the marketplace has changed, the whole nature of the business has changed, and in, in some ways, it seems to me that that has affected the quality of innovation in pop records. In other words, pop records seem to be fitting into a genre rather than just breaking new ground. Definitely. I mean, it, we, we, uh, it's slim pickings. I mean, it's, it's truly, uh, uh, we don't have a lot of creativity. Uh, as you pointed out, you don't have an Ahmed Erdogan, Wexler, or, or even Clive Davis is still there, and Clive Davis is hands-on. That's why he is able to generate good music. Uh, in the old days, it was more for music than for the money, you know. Uh, they were all blues lovers and, and, and uh, lovers of great voices and everything. Uh, we don't have that. We have bean counters, so unfortunately uh, we, we will probably see some a lot of decline and maybe they'll be regrouping of, 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 of companies. Hey, I am fortunate to work with Bruce Lundvall, uh, a true music lover, a person who signs artists with his heart and he proves to be right. Uh, like with the latest Nora Jones, and uh, that reminds me of the the atmosphere in that building, the Blue Note Angel and Manhattan Records, where I'm uh, co uh, vice president with Ian Ralfini. Uh, that atmosphere reminds me of of the Atlantic of the 1960s, with people rushing into each other's offices. Have you heard this? This is great, you know. Or if I it's a very uh, it's a unique building because it's there's a big open hole uh, in the middle it's, it looks like an industrial loft so i hear if bruce is playing something i hear it and if i like it i go down and say what is this who's this you know that kind of a uh, atmosphere and most of the people are musicians i mean we have secretaries who who are singers uh, or, or the 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 head of uh, Blue Note and Angel, Tom Everett, uh, apparently, I didn't know that, it was, it was a New Orleans piano player. 
See, we have all these. But most of the, 50% of the personnel are musicians. Great. Love editing on portraits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, you know, some of the records that I'm really proud of. In fact, Average White Band I used to mix. Yeah? Yeah, the, the White Album, I mixed it. Radio Richard